audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me now for his record fourth podcast here with Doc Talk is Dr. Hunter Moyer, a board certified plastic surgeon with Monument Health. Uh, you've lectured nationally and internationally on cosmetic and reconstructive surgeries. You do face and breast and body. Mm-hmm. When you're overseas giving these talks, do you, do you have a is it different than doing it here in the United States? The reactions, the it is. Is it? it? The talks the same. Okay, but perspectives are always different. Um, Europeans, especially, you know, liposuction itself actually started in Europe. Um, this is going to be a longer talk, but no, uh, I love it. There's a there's a clip from the early '70s, and it's uh, a European conference and. There's all these doctors in a room and a big giant screen on the stage, and they they pan over to two French surgeons who are smoking cigarettes in the operating room and doing liposuction for the first time ever. And it's oh just, God. you know, two French guys like, didn't we stick the canyon? <laughs> and everybody in the room is mortified, just mortified. But these guys are just going at it. And sure enough, liposuction is one of the most common things we do nowadays. <laughs> but, so the, the Europeans are a little more laid back, mm-hmm. as we know. Uh, you know, focus on things a little bit differently. They, they're, they're much more aesthetically minded, less system-based, less approach-based. And so uh, giving a talk there, you always get different questions than you get in the United States, you know. <laughs> Some are off the wall. You just right. would never even think of, and it just opens up more conversation. Well, like how so. many pack, how many packs of cigarettes can I have in the operating <laughs> yes. room? Exactly. Well, in America, none. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best answer. So it's just a cool perspective <laughs> to see because, you know, their thought process is different, and you get questions that you really didn't think about, and it makes you go back to your papers and your research. And, and I do – I think we talked about this. I do a neck lift now like the Italians do because I just love the way they do it. Um, so very – it's much more fun. Yeah, and if people would like to go back and listen, uh, you were on episodes 10, 14, and 16. Uh, we covered a lot of different topics when it comes to plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And I think today, um, I, I loved uh, kind of the, the take with this. Um, I, I love the, the, the myth versus fact sure. things that you can talk about, especially when it comes to science and doctors, mm-hmm. uh, because you can get so much misinformation on the Internet. Yes, right. Uh, and now to have you in here to kind of answer some of these questions, I think will be a lot of fun. Um, and it's going to mainly center around plastic surgery, um, breast augmentation, breast implants, mm-hmm. and, and the myths and facts about these. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's start, uh, Dr. Moyer, with uh, I think a, a lot of people believe that plastic surgery is just for people that are vain, that are rich, and all they care about is their beauty. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there <clears throat> are a couple. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, that myth comes from television. Sure. Right? And social media and all the things that we're used to nowadays. Uh, it's not true. Uh, plastic surgery, plastic is from the Greek word of plastikos, which is to mold. And so, uh, you know, we have in plastic surgery uh, the cosmetic side that everyone sees on television, the reconstructive side, which no one really sees on television, and that's reconstruction after cancer. And that can be breast cancer, head and neck cancer. That's reconstruction after trauma. 
dog bites, major car accidents, the, you know, burns, all these things. And um, and that's the side that you don't really see on television, but that's 50% of my practice. And then the other 50% is cosmetic. And, and the patients that are coming for cosmetic surgery, uh, I don't consider vain. Um, and we're not going for ridiculous, you know, over-the-top Hollywood results. We're going for the, the usual things you think of, natural results, um, aging 10 years before, 15 years before, but very natural. And, and so the idea that it's just vain and, and wealthy and people who... Mm-hmm only care about themselves it's it's unfortunate and not true right yeah. okay mm-hmm. so on a show did you did you ever watch nip tuck the very famous show about I didn't watch nip tuck i've seen botched a couple times you know <laughs> okay uh, i've seen some of them so yeah all right mm-hmm. uh well and then i guess that would kind of lead right into the next question about um who gets plastic surgery lots of it seems to be centered around women mm-hmm. they seem to be the the one that uh, you know most people think well if you're going in for any of that it's going to be females that get Correct. most of the time yeah. but well so yes and no okay uh, you know and we just talked about how there's a reconstructive side and a cosmetic side mm-hmm. and most of the trauma reconstruction we see of course is males right of young, course 25 to 45 year old man yep. you know, we're invincible <laughs> right and so that's most of the trauma reconstruction is gonna be males obviously most breast cancer reconstruction is gonna be females mm-hmm. if we look at the true cosmetic side it's about 90 percent women, okay. uh, 10% men, uh, and that number's increasing slowly. Uh, what do men get? Most men, uh, liposuction is a big one. And a lot of face surgery, and by face, I mean brow lifts, eyelid lifts, right? Yeah. Really heavy brow that just kind of ages you. Not only ages you, but instructs your vision. Right. And uh, I'm doing more and more facelifts in men. Uh, you have to be more subtle, careful with the results. Uh, well, that would have been my next, yeah. my next question then. How do do facelifts uh, do they do they differ considerably between uh, a, a woman's face and a man's face? Not too much. The principles are still the same. We still have to tighten the deeper layers of the face. We still have to remove uh, quite a bit of skin, right? But where you place fat and how strong the jawline is and how strong the cheekbones are is clearly different in men than women, right? For a female, an upside down triangle face with a very pointed chin is is very aesthetically pleasing. For a male, not necessarily a square face, but a very strong jaw, right, is Mm -hmm. is obviously known as being um, ideal for men. And there's no perfect scenario, but that's kind of what we do. Okay. Uh, Now, once these procedures are finished, another myth would be that plastic surgery, there's, there's there's no scars and the and it lasts forever. Yeah. Is that 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 seems to be another one. Yeah, that's clearly a myth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now if we had no scars and I figured that out then, you know, we wouldn't be talking right. Now. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be ideal. And, and obviously all the research right now is into scarless wound healing and and you know, a fetal wound healing is scarless and it's a lot more hyaluronic acid based and all these things. But no, we do not have scarless wound healing. We have the ability to decrease scars. One, that's number one. Two, we hide scars as best we can. So facelift scars go in front of the ear up here, but they go behind the tragus, which is this cartilage here, and then behind and down the hairline. They go in the hair itself. If we do tummy tucks, we put the scars in in the bikini line. So for a tummy tuck patient, I'll have them come to the day of surgery with the bikini or underwear they want to wear. We'll put that on, mark where that is, take that off, and then put the incision in there. So our goal is to hide scars. We just have not figured out scarless wound healing yet. Oh, that that was going to be my next question. Do Do you ever think there will be a time where... 
Well, I, the, the body, I mean, it just, it, it naturally makes the scar, right? I mean, is there's... So, yeah, so scar remodeling, and, and there's so much research into this, and we and it's true, fetal scars, so, you know, in the womb, if you uh, make an incision or have to do an amniocentesis or something where you nick a child or a fetus, mm-hmm. it will pretty much undergo scarless wound healing, and there we know kind of some of the differences. Once you're an adult, we have not figured that out. Now, we're getting better and better, decreased tension, silicone sheeting, polarizing the wound. These things help line up the collagen instead of just haphazard. And so it's better. Will we get to scarless wound healing? Probably not. But, you know, if you get to imperceptible, hardly even able to notice at all, it's pretty close. So people that have terrible scarring from from accidents, Mm there, there is surgery to help with that, isn't there? Is Quite there a stuff few you can do? There okay, are. surgery is one. You know, in bad scarring, you talk about hypertrophic scars, keloid scars, normal scars. Uh, there's a lot of different adjuncts that you can do before surgery. That's steroid injections, medicines like 5-FU, there's silicone gel sheeting, there's lasers. So we can modify scars before you have to go all the way to surgery, but really bad scars generally end up in surgery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's move into, I think, what uh, um, you know a, a lot of people consider to be uh, plastic surgery, and that, of course, is, is breast augmentation yes. or breast implants. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the myths that I think a lot of people uh, are concerned about with this is that they they expire in 10 years. Sure. Is that true? Uh, not true. Okay. Uh, but it's out there. And, really? And I still have patients that come to my office for consultation. They had an augmentation 10 years ago, and, you know, they come and they say it's time to have the implants out. And that's not really true. Uh, that came about because when the implant companies were making implants, um, of course, the attorney sat down with them and said, we're going to have a warranty, but it's got to end at some point. Right, we're not going to have a 25-year warranty. We're not going to have a 50-year warranty, and somehow 10 years just became the the number. Okay. And so as soon as the 10-year warranty came out, then it became the implants last 10 years. That is not the case. Uh, nowadays, with the newest, we have new generation five. They call them implants. Fifth generation of devices we use. Uh, they're sometimes called gummy bear implants, highly cohesive <laughs> gel implants. And so when you look at a gummy bear implant, if you cut it in half, the inside doesn't ooze out like the old implants. So it's almost, it's not a semi-solid, but it's a very highly cohesive gel. Those implants, we consider 25-year implants. Oh, wow. Now, you know, the caveat to that is, number one, they haven't been out for 25 years. Right. So, you know, how can you say that? Well, bench testing in the labs show that they're pretty good, if not really good. (laughs) And then two, everything in the world, in in nature, has standard deviation. So there's a mean standard deviation to the left and the right. So some may be 15-year implants, some may be 40. Um, so the idea is you've had your implants for 10 years, you do not have to see a plastic surgeon. If You can. Uh, if you're having problems, if there's an issue, of course, but at that 10-year mark, your implants have not expired. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know you, this is probably hard to predict, but you know, you, meant, you said you're on the fifth? Um, fifth generation. Fifth generation of these. Mm-hmm. Um, is, are you looking ahead to the sixth? Is, is there any anything coming up the, that's going to be? The new wave will probably be, we have three companies in the United States. Okay. Sientra, Mentor, and Allergan. And Mentor and Allergan have been around for a long time. Sientra is a relatively new uh, company in the United States. This next generation is probably, we call those fifth generation because they're all those U.S. implants. Implants across the, you asked me about lecturing internationally and nationally. Yeah. If you go to Brazil, if you go to Europe, they have so many different options for implants that we don't have. Their CE mark is much less restrictive than the FDA. Mm-hmm. And so there are implants that the, those surgeons have that we'd love to have. So I don't know if necessarily there'll be a sixth generation for Mentor or Allergan, but there will probably be new implants available to the U.S. market, which I'll tell you will be fantastic. Oh, okay. There are 
implants like Motiva implants in Brazil that are, in my opinion, much better than the implants we have here. So that'll probably be the sixth generation, although we probably won't call it the sixth generation. Okay. Now you're you're talking about how long these can last, you mm-hmm. know, 25, 40 years in <clears throat> some instances. Um, how how does that factor into uh, to breast cancers mm-hmm. then and, yep. and mammograms and things like mm-hmm. that? If, if they're lasting that long. Yeah. So a great question that I get asked all the time. The myth is that they'll increase your risk for breast cancer. That's myth number one. Myth number two, you can't breastfeed. Or if you do breastfeed, there'll be silicone in the breast milk. Yes. And both those are myths. Okay. Very well proven myths. Some of these, you know, I think so. I think that this is very clear. Large, large population studies. Danish study, California, the entire state of California, looking at breast cancer diagnoses in women with and without implants. And the stage, grade, age of the patient, all survival, everything's the same. No difference in cancer in women with and without implants. So it doesn't mean you won't get cancer, but it has no contributing factor to you getting cancer. That's one. Two, as far as mammograms go, you can absolutely get mammograms with implants. They do use a different type of protocol called the Eklund Views. It's a radiologist, Dr. Eklund, who came up with this. So they have to squeeze a little more. It's a right. little bit more time-consuming. The implants are fine. They, they can go through that no problem. But what we see is, we, even with Eklund, glue, Eklund Views, it's a little bit harder to decre- or a little bit harder to see cancer. Having said that, when you have implants in, finding a cancer by yourself on your own, feeling it is a little higher. And so, if you average the two out, it's the exact same. Okay. So yes, radiology is a little less sensitive, or the ability to detect is a little less. Feeling it is a little sooner, so the exact same across the board. So, and then the last thing, sorry, Mark, just no, go ahead. The last thing is the breastfeeding issue, and, yeah. and it's well, great studies in large populations of patients with and without implants. The amount of silica products in the breast milk is the exact same. So, we're not uh, seeing silicone in breast milk either, and you can breastfeed just as well if you have or haven't had implants. This might be kind of a dumb question, but as you're talking about uh, breast cancer, when women have augmentation or they have, uh, uh, you know, new yeah. breasts, yes, is is tissue removed? I mean, is is no. that like is that stuff taken out that that could cause the cancer? No. So if we're just doing a breast augmentation, okay, just an augmentation alone, yes, the implant will go in, no tissues removed, and what we see is the implant almost acts like a backboard, and so that's why it's easier to feel. I see. And detect okay. it on your own. If you're having a lift or a reduction with you know or a lift with implants, then right. yes, we will remove tissue. But in augmentation alone, no tissues removed. I see. So you so cancer is still. I mean, it's still it's something that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Is that our myth list for breast implants and augmentation? Pretty mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Now let's go on to uh, my biggest surprise that you kind of reeled me back in from because I was I was kind of right, but not all the way. Yeah. Um, talking about liposuction, yes. which I think um, I think when a lot of people think of liposuction, um, they think you, you you go in, they stick a hose in your belly, they suck it out, and you're thin, right? Yeah. And I and I don't think I don't I think that's quite the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was reading before we got to talking, doctor, that your body stops producing fat cells at birth, and there's a correction to that. Uh, yes, but no. Okay, so. Really, you and I had talked about this yes. before. So, so if you look at a fat cell under the microscope, it's going to have this little tiny cell body, and the remainder of it is a giant storage container for cholesterol. And it, it has some endocrine functions in mm-hmm. the cell body, but it really it's just a big old storage container. It's a big balloon for cholesterol. When you and I gain weight, we do not make many new fat cells at all. 
nominal. You still do. That's so you, And surprising. you can still, we have stem cells in our fat. Right. Adipose-derived stem cells, and that's a whole other talk. <laughs> but but adipose-derived stem cells in our fat that can make new fat cells. But the, the idea is it's negligible compared to the, remain, or the, the mature fat cells that you have. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's amazing how big they can get. And if you and I lose weight, we don't lose fat cells. The ones we have just get smaller and smaller. So the idea behind this is if we go in and liposuction, so we go to liposuction your abdomen and take most of the, not all, but most of the fat cells out of that area. What happens when you gain weight later? Yeah. You're not going to make many new fat cells in that abdomen. The remaining ones will get bigger, but all the surrounding areas, flanks over here, somewhere else, because they have more fat cells per volume, will look like you gain weight there. So I'll have patients say, you took it out of here, I gain weight, and you put it over here, or it's worse over here. Now, it, well, preferentially it is because the fat cells have been removed. But, so yeah, if you have liposuction in your abdomen, you gain weight, you're not going to gain much weight in your abdomen. You will some, but not much compared to other areas. So is liposuction mainly for weight loss, or what's no, its main function? Yeah, no. So the same thing we talked about, you know, when you think about a lava lamp, mm -hmm. right, all that oil floats to the top because right. it's less oh, dense yeah. than water. So, <laughs> so when we take the, the fat cells out, they don't weigh a whole lot. They really, you think they would, but they don't. So it's contour. I mean, you'll lose a little bit of weight, but no, you think about how the bulk of muscle, yeah. you know, and I would never do this, but if I took a lot of muscle out of you, you'd lose quite a bit of weight. Sure. If I took some bones out, this is getting weird, <laughs> you lose quite a bit of weight. But if I take fat cells from you, it's, it's a contour surgery. A little bit of weight, but not as much as you'd think. Oh, I see. Yeah. So that's mainly, are there, are there medical reasons for liposuction? Like, um, uh, or, or, is it, or is it almost purely cosmetic? Uh, at this point, uh, it's mostly 99% of the time okay. liposuction is going to be cosmetic. There is something called lipodystrophy, which is something we're learning a little bit more about, where some patients, very rare, uh, do have some pain from the actual fat cells themselves. And research-wise, we can't see, you know, we, you can't point to this and say, this fat cell is going to cause pain in that. We don't know that. But there, there are some patients out there that do have legitimate pain in and around these areas, these well-defined deposits of fat. Insurance companies aren't necessarily getting on board, so it's not necessarily a reconstructive surgery yet, but that's something that may be on the horizon. Uh, otherwise, 99% cosmetic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my last myth questions for you, doctor, is uh, about diet and exercise. Can that deliver the same results as plastic surgery? Uh, yeah. So yes and no. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, clearly, uh, Everyone should diet and exercise. Yes. And that is the best adjunct to any plastic surgery you do have, no matter what it is. So uh, where it becomes a myth is uh, women who have multiple children. After childbirth, those rectus muscles, mm -hmm. the six-pack muscles can separate. And the idea is, and they're generally very athletic, young, fit women. If you exercise and do more sit-ups, that'll kind of go back together. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And it'd be great if it was. So it doesn't matter how, much, how many sit-ups they do or how much exercise they do. That's just been changed by childbirth. The only way to fix that is surgery. You can't um, exercise your breasts to be significantly larger. Uh, you can, through a lot of these new, you know, Brazilian butt lift kind of programs, probably make your butt a little bit larger, not the sure. same as surgery. So in certain circumstances, and of course liposuction, if you act diet and exercise, you can probably mimic a lot of surgery as long as your skin quality is appropriate. But no diet and exercise is going to replace a facelift and a, a brow lift. Probably not even liposuction, not uh, a tummy tuck, not a mammy makeover, not a true butt lift. So, so to a degree, yes, diet and exercise can mimic a little bit of surgery, um, but mostly no. And of course, the, op the caveat to that and the adjunct to that is just keep working out because it'll absolutely 
your results will last longer, you'll be healthier, you'll feel better. And most of the, you know, a lot of this is about feeling good and, and feeling yeah, comfortable. So exactly. Can, you know, diet exercise are fantastic. Excellent. Uh, well, I think we busted some of these myths, doctor. Um, I, I do like to get it right from the person that knows this best. And, uh, you know, uh, again, if you want to go back and, and check out your, your other episodes that we've done, 10, 14, and 16 here with Doc Talk, I encourage people to do it, especially those that are looking into liposuction and breast augmentation. And it's a great place to start. So Dr. Hunter Moyer, board-certified plastic surgeon with Monument Health, thank you again for coming in and talk. And I know we've, I think we have more topics that we bring up when we talk that hopefully we'll do down the line again, okay? That sounds like it. <laughs> thank you very much, doctor. Thanks, Mark. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.